not enough to have a digital mindset in your technology organization. It has to be fostered within the other functions, as you alluded to, as well as in the, the broader business at large. And technology and those functions need to be aligned in creating the, the alignment within your model, creating you know product teams who are truly embedded. So again, there isn't this handoff or this throwing things over the wall but truly a digital partnership as you go to market. We're seeing design thinking and product skills embedded in what traditionally were employee-focused technologies. Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world-class performance. Welcome. I'm Chris Key, your host for today's podcast. And my guest today is Mr. Mike Spires. Mike, welcome. Thanks, Chris. I'll be guiding our discussion today and, and providing context as needed. The subject for our podcast is our 2022 IT Key Issues Study Results. A bit of background on this study. It's a, a study we do every fall. We reach out to our, our constituents and try to get a pulse on what their goals and objectives will be for the following year. We want to understand what's keeping them up at night, what are the things that they're, they're going to focus their attention on, and what are some of the concerns or potential roadblocks that we might be encountering. And so really excited to share these findings here today. And again, welcoming my colleague, Mike, to talk about the findings themselves. We polled over 300 different companies for the results of this study. And uh, again, we're focusing on the technology aspects here today. A number of key findings, and we'll talk about these more. We're looking at a lot of disruption, obviously, uh, continuing into 2022. And so we need to be ready for that. We need to think about our resourcing and if our resources will actually be consistent with the amount of demand that we're expecting to increase this year. We're going to see some themes around data and analytics and the the capabilities that really need to be matured and and what that means from a data value perspective and, and also from the talent, from the people that we need to to fulfill all of these ob- objectives. And we'll, we'll dive into uh, some of the architectural topics, things such as cloud, for example, and how it's really becoming more of the standard today than it has ever before. So with that, Mike, let's jump into to the top 10 priority objectives for 2022. It's no surprise that at the number one spot, once again, this year is securing data and the systems. And I think we all need to be good stewards of security as we go throughout our days. You know, maybe just a, a few quick comments on this, because I, I have a feeling this is probably at the top of everyone's list. Yeah, no one wants to end up on the front page of the Wall Street Journal for a data breach or customer data being uh, hacked out of their system and put out on the web. So a lot of organizations really do take this as priority number one. It's what uh, keeps them awake at night, as you alluded to. And it's something that every technology executive thinks about uh, day and night. And how do they make sure that all of the technology that they implement on behalf of their employees and customers drives through a secure platform? And it really is the core of making sure that you're a good steward of your technology resources is making sure your data is secure. Absolutely. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, goes into, you know, your everyday activities, right? And, and we all need to be cognizant and aware of that. Honestly, uh, you know, technology leaders today, they really feel like they've got a pretty good handle on securing data and systems. When we think about, you know, the importance of it, obviously, it's number one. But at the same time, our technology leaders today have a pretty high degree of confidence that they can meet the expectations around data and security. When we think about number two, it's more about what we're doing for our constituents, right, for our business partners. And so number two this year, up a few spots, is 
effective strategic partnering. And you know, for us, this really means optimizing the processes and the skills to uh, enable effective stakeholder partnering and you know what's necessary to succeed in, in our transformations. And and all while doing this under the added pressure of, of inflation and supply disruption, et cetera. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about business value here, and, and that really starts with the partnering aspects of it, Mike. So maybe a, a bit of commentary from your side. I would put the emphasis on the word both strategic and partnering. This is no longer a tactical role of, you know, kind of reporting out how the technology organization is performing or touch points in the middle of projects, uh, but really looking at what are you trying to achieve as an organization strategically, and then partnering with the stakeholder groups to to drive those outcomes in a very effective manner and not just sort of having the technology team build something and throw it over a fence and have requirements thrown over a fence to the technology team to deliver. But hand in hand, side by side, driving strategic value for the organization. And, you know, traditionally, the the role has been called business relationship manager, business relationship team, or or some sort of, let's call it tactical role. And, And really, we're trying to work with clients to make this a strategic role and more of a true partnership so that the technology and the stakeholder teams across the, the organization really are bought into the path forward. And true value comes out of that as opposed to tactical value. One of the key things that we see in terms of governance on this is, is making more strategic bets and fewer tactical bets. You know, the number of projects that an organization does should go down and the, the number of big bets go up. And you can sweep in some of the tactical things as part of those bigger bets, but really focusing on strategic value. We, we, we talk a lot about demand management and governance here at Hackett, the importance of it. And one of the studies we did last fall really looked at how organizations that are doing it well actually have half the number of projects in their pipeline, but those projects are much more strategic in nature. And really, you know, to your point, Mike, driving that that partnership mentality and, and we're all looking to achieve the same goals uh, from an overall enterprise strategy perspective. And that, again, to your point, starts with more of a strategic kind of partnering mindset. Number three here is one of those areas that uh, technology leaders say is a critical development need. It's it's very high on the importance axis, but it's also low in the confidence of leaders being able to meet the business expectations, and that's maximizing the value from data. No corporate asset is, is more potentially valuable and, and at the same time less optimized, unfortunately, than our data. And a lot of companies recognize this. And, and so it's incumbent on our technology function to manage this data for maximum utility. And it's not just, you know, making sure that it's a one time, you know, we can fulfill the request for this report. And we'll talk about that more at number six, but making this a, a real capability. So what are you seeing from a client perspective when it comes to data and analytics maturity? Many organizations are trying to treat data as an enterprise asset and look at it holistically and break down silos. Many organizations have often thought of data as part of an organizational construct, and whether that be operations, whether it be marketing, whether it be finance or HR, but really begin treating uh, data across the organization. How do you schedule and, and treat staff actually plays into operational efficiency, for instance. And there's many, many sort of dependencies within built within this sort of observation around uh, getting more value from uh, data. And you alluded to number six, which, you know, is matured industrialized enterprise analytics capability. And we can talk about that, that having the skills in the organization to do this, going back to the previous 
observation around strategic partnering, having that business understanding of data and how it flows and adds value to the organization, overall talent. And then as you think about how do you organize to deliver on these things, they all play together. And and I think this is one of those that people often look at and don't understand the, the bigger picture that comes into this. And there's so many different moving parts that have this, your underlying technology footprint, how complex it is, how disorganized your data is, you know, multiple systems storing the same type of data with unrationalized data. These all play into the difficulty in getting value out of your data. A colleague of ours likes to say, uh, you know, with all of these transactions, there's a lot of exhaust. There's a lot of information that comes out of this. And and if we don't have a good data architecture mindset, we're not able to really harness that exhaust and, and turn that into into data and, and, and ultimately into decision-making insights. Um, you talked about talent. So that's a, that's a great segue actually to number four, which is around technology skills and, and talent being aligned to the, the needs of the business. And like number three, this again is, is one of those areas that is a risk of failure for a lot of organizations. Um, you know, we, we hear a lot about this great resignation at the same time of uh, of a great acceleration of, of needs and capabilities. So when we think about that talent uh, ability to attract and retain, it's a challenge and, and we hear it all the time. What are you seeing in the marketplace? This is one of those that has become pretty endemic during the pandemic, where literally organizations are seeing difficulty holding on to their teams. They're seeing wage inflation in the market and they're seeing trouble attracting uh, new talent as well as their technology partners in the market are seeing similar things. So your uh, managed services providers, your your technology organizations that support infrastructure or cloud, everyone is fighting for talent at this point, and it's it's causing disruption and many skill gaps across organizations where they really feel like they've had a key role where they've had a rec open for months and they're not able to fill it because of lack of capacity in the market. And so they're trying to deal stopgap measures with their partners or independent contractors, which are often even more expensive than what you might find in the market. And so it really is a challenge and it it does underpin so much of what we're seeing. And what we're trying to do with our clients to address this is put in place an overall resourcing strategy, thinking about what are the key skill gaps and how do you build an ecosystem of internal hiring, external third parties, and an independent contractor network to best be able to fill gaps both permanently and on an ad hoc or sort of flex basis. It's no longer enough to think about your talent within the organization wholly. You really do need to look at the macro level. I think that's sound advice because we're all trying to figure this out, right? And we've got to have the right uh, long-term vision in place to maintain the skill sets that we need. And those skill sets are changing too. I mean, the technology skills are one thing, but in this work from anywhere, engage from anywhere environment, you know, we need to have those relationship skills. You know, going back to that strategic partnering piece, uh, we need to be able to you know, maintain a culture within our organizations to retain this talent. We're actually going to be doing a study later on in this first quarter of 22, thinking about culture best practices and, and how organizations are you know, trying to overcome a lot of these roadblocks that we're encountering. When we think about number five, this is an area that is, is kind of right on the cusp of being critical, but there are decent expectations that we can do it. And, and number five is enterprise transformation to a more digital operating model. We've been talking about digital for a number of years now, and a lot of organizations are scared that they're so far behind because they hear all of these headlines about you know completely digital organizations and what have you. And in reality, 
a majority of organizations need to accelerate their own digital transformation. And this is especially true in the back office, right? We, we see a lot of applications of, quote, digital and things like e-commerce and our customer-facing solutions because that's the expectation in the marketplace today. But from a back office function, we're slower to adopt and adapt to the digital mindset. So when we think about operating models, Mike, you know, what, what does that mean for us in the, in the enabling and back office functions? Well, within the technology team, you know, it really is getting back to that partnership. And, you know, it's not enough to have a digital mindset in your technology organization. It has to be fostered within the other functions, as you alluded to, as well as in the, the broader business at large, whether, the, like I said, marketing operations and any of the functions that an organization might be executing on. And technology and those functions need to be aligned in creating the, the alignment within your model creating you know, product teams who are uh, truly embedded. So again, there isn't this handoff or this throwing things over the wall, but truly a digital partnership as you go to market. We're seeing design thinking and, and you know, product skills embedded in what traditionally were employee-focused technologies, whether it be call center or operations you know, in a plant, thinking through how do the employees use the technology in a different way, creating more usability from an interface, creating better UIs, and just overall creating a better user experience and thinking digitally, not just as your end customer, but as your employees. And, you know, this gets back to the talent and skills as well. The better you are at doing this, the easier it is to retain the people that you have because they they don't hate the technology they're working with. They don't feel like what they're using to do their job is a hindrance rather than a benefit. And so that it really has become a systemic need within an organization to think about technology differently and to align both the functional and the technology aspects to, to create a, a digital whole. We did a study last year in, in 2021 around innovation. Some of the top drivers of innovation are rewarding behavior for innovative ideas and actually creating uh, dedicated resources and assets for innovation. And to the point you were making there, you know, rewarding that behavior for thinking outside the box on how we're using these tools and coming up with new ways to make our work lives more satisfying. And that all is, as you stated, part of this digital operating model, rethinking the way that we work. We referenced number six already, which is that matured and, and industrialized enterprise analytics capability. And so, you know, along with number three, the, the effective kind of data management, mature analytics capability across the enterprise will really unlock the insights and and improve the the speed and accuracy of our decision making. We talked about the insight cycle, and this is you know starting with what we need to be doing as technologists from a data quality and a governance perspective. But then that leads into what are the sources of data that we're getting, and and how are we doing our analytics? Is it backwards looking, or is it predictive and prescriptive? And then who's consuming this, right? And, and I don't want to say that that starts the cycle over because it's a continuous cycle. It's a continuous journey. Uh, you, you mentioned looking at data and analytics from an enterprise capability and perspective. Can you talk a little bit more about that and, and maybe some of the insights that we're seeing today that we haven't seen before? Well, as you think about data as an asset, and you know, again, this relates to many of the other core recommendations or, or insights that we're seeing in the market, 
you know, having that partnership and the technology and, and the functional teams aligned in terms of roles and responsibilities, you know, having good data scientists within, you know, technology to help design the underlying data, but also, you know, a data and analytics capability within the function to be able to design the insights that they're looking for and the use cases, right? And, and creating that sense of ownership on both sides of that equation is important. And we are seeing things like, you know, the ability to do more predictive uh, analytics. You know, many of us are suffering through heavy winter storms right now, and, and many organizations have to deal with deliveries and, and understanding the impact of that as they look at this. So they're able to actually model the impact of bad weather on in terms of delivery and schedules and overtime and all that to create a, a forward-looking forecast based on the actual data that's coming in and the historical you know, experiences with how much longer it takes to get through traffic and how much longer it takes to offload uh, things in bad weather. And you can actually create models that adjust and adapt very quickly based on strength and or other guidance that, that comes in through uh, either unstructured data such as weather or uh, very structured data such as you know the pandemic and, and what we're seeing in terms of waves of people having to take off. Many of those things are you're able to do analytics on to actually drive better outcomes and, and less disruption to your business than would be if all you're doing is reacting. You know, back to what I stated earlier about, you know, it's not a one-off thing. I think a lot of times when we think about the need for data, it's for reporting purposes. It's backwards looking and those are kind of one-off ad hoc kind of requests. And if and if we truly industrialize this capability, we can be thinking about, all right, what's the next thing that we need to be you know, predicting, dare I say, what's the next, you know, pandemic? I hope not. But, you know, what's going to be the next major disruption? And as we think about disruption, that actually ties into number seven really well. We see a lot of supply chain issues. We see a lot of talent shortages and issues. Inflation is a huge topic of conversation right now. And so amidst all that coming in at number seven is enterprise cost efficiency improvement. And this is something that's been in the top 10 for a long time, uh, but it's, it's not a top five anymore. I think that's encouraging. And, and just a, a quick point, you know, for the first time, we're actually hearing and, and our technology leaders are saying that FTEs and operating budget will, will keep pace with the expected increases in demand and, and workload. That, that workload volume is expected to increase six and a half to seven percent. And again, budgets and FTEs are expected to grow at that same rate for the technology function. What we'll see at the end of this year, if that actually plays out to be true. Again, every decision we, we make, we need to ensure we're you know placing our bets on the right investments, the right technologies. And, and so cost doesn't go away. From a focus perspective, you know, what are you seeing? And, and do you think that trend is going to come true at the end of the year that we'll continue to have more resources because technology is that enabling function? Yeah, it's definitely been a, a trend since even at the start of the pandemic where organizations are realizing, and, and this comes up later in terms of customer model and our workforce model, those are being driven by technology. And many organizations looked at their technology footprint and said, we're coming up short and recognize the need to invest in, in new technology or better technology to deliver against those requirements. And really what that means is technology has to enable cost transformation in the rest of the organization as well. So you can't just throw technology at a problem and not take cost out. The technology has to drive functional performance in other areas. Like I said before, you know, when you're thinking about operations, the ability to reduce overtime through better scheduling and better data, the ability to uh, reduce supply costs because you're not having to mark down inventory because you had the right inventory there. Things like that that will drive overall performance within the organization 
And then within the technology organization, it's the more effective and efficient use of the resources so that while you may be spending more in total, you're getting more out of those dollars as well because it, it's a requirement. You can't spend 10% more and only get 10% more output at this point. You really do need to get more output for that same number of dollars or uh, increase in dollars. There has to be a positive multiplier on your technology investments to really realize the value that you're putting into that because these are not low-cost bets or sort of costs that magically go away after you do the investment. They require upkeep and they do in this environment require continuous uh, maintenance and improvement. I think this this ties really well into number eight. As we're making these investments, organizations at, at number eight are, are expecting a faster time to value for their technology-enabled initiatives. So we talked about digital operating models. We talked about you know cost savings and continuous improvement. And that starts with shortening that time from, hey, we got a great idea to actually having something in production and, and being used. How are organizations achieving this, Mike? And you know, how are they measuring these outcomes? Or are they even measuring these outcomes today? So they're doing this in a few different ways. One is the quote unquote agile way of doing things where you know there really are MVP, minimum viable products to get the initial value. And they prioritize in a in a very value-oriented way based on the metrics that they're looking to achieve. And, you know, if you can create the discipline around doing the things that drive value and doing them in order and creating a plan and path to do that, that's one way to do it. The other thing that you have to do is you have to continue to drive complexity out of the environment while you do these things. It's not enough to continue to to just add technology on. You need to clean out sort of the the weeds, underbrush, and, and frankly, garbage that's been left behind over the years so that you can continue to get to market faster. Complexity drives response time up dramatically. And so, you know, creating a holistic plan around how do you implement the technology to both add business value while you do it, as well as create less complex technology footprints is an important component. Otherwise, all you're doing is adding on top of and creating more complex and more uh, fragile environments. So really kind of redoing while doing is, is kind of one of those key sort of concepts to incorporate as part of this. Um, and and that, that harkens back to the previous thought number seven, cost savings and being mindful of that. Our own research would show, and, and we've done a lot of work with clients to help reduce complexity because a com- complex environment drives cost as, at a multiplying factor, right? And so certainly something to be aware of. You mentioned agile concepts. One of the data points we got out of this study was the use of various development techniques. And we're actually seeing that rapid application development, uh, DevOps, Agile, is making up more than half now of development projects from a methodology perspective. So 54% of of projects are are being predicted to be using rapid development techniques. Waterfall has has fallen back to about 38%. And there's a lot of hype and buzz around you know, low code, no code and, and citizen development. And it's emerging still. We're not seeing a huge portion yet predicted to be about 9% this year. So definitely a, an area to keep an eye on in terms of having our, our business partners actually creating or solutioning with the platforms that we give them, that we help enable them with. Yeah, Chris, just to add on to that, I think, you know, some of the trends over time, right around skills and other gaps are going to be filled by creating tools that enable a different skill set to be able to do technology. And, you know, as the cloud providers have created uh, infrastructure scale and historically the, the ERP providers did for applications, 
I believe the next uh, sort of shared transformation is going to be around technology coding and the ability to enable citizen coders, right? So you don't have to be some technology whiz to be able to do technology. And really taking the platforms to enable that and rolling them out, I do think we will see more of that, as especially as technology skills become scarcer and scarcer in relation to the need. That, that makes a lot of sense. And part of the the expectations today for all of us, I mean, we're, we're used to the app store mentality on our phone, et cetera, is coming in at number nine, engage from anywhere customer experience. And you know, a lot of the things that we've talked about here already from a skills perspective, from an operating model, and, and from a time to value on technology, really relates back to you know, our end goal, and that's customer centricity. And so again, number nine, engage from anywhere customer experience. Our customers aren't going back to traditional commerce models, and, and technology must be able to engage in that manner. And uh, we need to have customizable experiences across all of our platforms. What does this mean from an IT perspective? Because there's historically been kind of a split between you know, back office IT and then more operational or product-facing technology. But today, we're a joint technology function, and we're helping drive these solutions. So can you talk a little bit about what, you know, what we're seeing out there? Well, it is about creating that integrated experience, the engage from anywhere, right? So whether it be in a store or at a service uh, center or at home, you want to get the same experience. And many of these previous uh, issues and concepts and insights drive to these last two. And I'll just start the next one, work from anywhere from workforce. Same thing, you know, an employee wants to have that, you know, same ability as an employee that they have on their phone or in the technology that they use at home. And really creating the ability to have a seamless channel to your product or to your tools, regardless of where you are. Both of these are very, very much part of the future requirements and current requirements, frankly, for satisfying customer and employee requirements. You know, to hold on to your customers, they need to know that regardless of how they interact with you, that they're going to have a good experience. To hold on to your employees, the same thing. They need the flexibility to have the same experience working from home that they have working from your office, as well as if they're uh, remote so that you know they're not tethered to a metropolitan area where you're headquartered or where you have major operations. People at this point have decided technology needs to be dedicated to them in a way that meets their needs as opposed to using technology in support of a business. It's now flipped to the customer and employee, which I think many would argue is is a good thing. It's empowering, and it really does give people choices pretty starkly and dramatically between options. That makes a lot of sense, and it's it's something that we're all experiencing, right? Because on the other side of our professional lives are our personal lives, and and so we have those same expectations of the companies that we engage with, and the, you know where we purchase products, et cetera. Mike, I, I appreciate you coming on today and talking through our, our top 10 list for 22. This really just scratches the surface of the data that we uncovered during this study. Things like technology adoption and, and focal points and other disruptors out there can all be found in our key issue study reports, which can be found at thehackergroup.com. And, and you're welcome, any listener out there, to reach out to us to learn more about it. But maybe to wrap things up, Mike, what are the four or five recommendations that technology leaders need to be aware of or, or thinking about as, as we go throughout this, again, another year of disruption? So some of the themes and related to the recommendations, I think, you know, spending strategically 
so that you are getting strategic outcomes and not tactical outcomes. Making sure that while you're doing that, you are simplifying and creating a lower cost model going forward so that you are getting more from that technology, both within the technology organization as well as within the functional organizations and, and customer base that you're investing in. Secondly is, you know, streamlining and automating processes across the organization, really making sure that manual is sort of a a negative word and and creating the opportunity for things to be done without uh, intervention, creating AI and creating automation to make sure that the cost that goes into a process is very much related to a need to do something physically or to make decisions as an organization. And then the Focus really on maturing data and analytics capability. This comes in very much around how do you think about data? How do you organize data? How do you abstract data to be used uh, outside of the functional silos that they typically get put into? And then, you know, a lot of the enabling technology here is on cloud. Cloud enables things to go faster. It really does drive flexibility within your technology platforms. So you can scale up and scale down. The watch out on this is don't just sort of lift and shift your technology or ignore the fixed assets that you have in data centers, but really understand the holistic cloud and and compute environment that you have across the organization. And then lastly, we talked a lot about talent. And this really is around, you know, thinking about talent holistically and having a future ready talent model that looks out years and is able to sort of build in that combination of how do we hire how do we train? How do we retain? How do we partner with third parties? And how do we go into the market both as a, a structural activity as well as you know when we flex in or we have ad hoc needs that we need to fill? Doing it intentionally and doing it across the organization and not just having sort of a, a point in time point of view on terms of how you're going to approach the market. The ones who approach it holistically will win the talent uh, battles. Good advice, Mike. So spend strategically, watch your cost, uh, automation of processes across the enterprise, data and analytics maturity continue to drive there. We talked about cloud and we're really excited here at Hack. We just recently completed a large cloud study and we're going to have a lot more insights and information coming out from our findings there. And then to the emphasis that you made around talent, something that none of us can ignore these days. So really good recommendations as we go forward this year. And Mike, thanks again for joining us on on our podcast. We look forward to, to having you again sometime soon. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcasts.thehackagroup.com. If you liked this episode, please share it. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. We'd welcome your feedback by tapping the rating on this or any episode or send us an email at podcast at thehackitgroup.com. The Hackett Group is a global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehackitgroup.com.